Welcome, those in person and those joining us online. We're going to continue the Summer Slump series, The Fruit of the Spirit. And it is my honor today to be able to talk about God's faithfulness. I'm giving you a reference to Genesis, but don't panic. I'm not going to read 14 chapters to you today. But you may recognize this as the story of Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat. And so we're going to use his story as a reference to identify how God is faithful. But let's start by praising God for great is his faithfulness. He is a trustworthy promise keeper. God is constant, steady, devoted, and true. And Paul writes to Timothy and he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Faithfulness is part of God's unchanging character. It does not depend on us. However, God is trying to work into our heart faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 11, you probably know that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not just a hope and a wish. Faith is our confidence in the character of God as it's revealed in the Word of God by the Spirit of God that motivates us to an action. So today I want to look at the story of Joseph and identify six ways that God is faithful so we can be faithful. You had Abraham, had Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, that foundational generation that God was going to use to build the nation of Israel. Joseph was the 11th son, the firstborn of Rachel. Rachel would have another son named Benjamin. Rachel was Jacob's first and true love, so this made Joseph his favorite son. And because of that, he got special treatment, special privileges, and even got a special coat. And for all of these reasons, his 10 older brothers hated him. It says they were jealous of him, and they couldn't even have a conversation with Joseph on friendly terms. So the first thing I want you to know, God is faithful to have a plan. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 37, and Joseph is a teenager with an attitude, if you can imagine that. And he had, God reveals to him in a couple of dreams his plan for him that one day he would rule over his brothers. And then he shares that with them, and I want, to see, I want you to see how they respond. So we got it here. It says, then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. God is faithful. He always has a plan. But I ask myself, why? Why did God share his plan with Joseph? It certainly wasn't to create more division between them. It wasn't for Joseph to go out and work on a strategy and figure out how he could one day rule over his brothers. Joseph had no idea what the next 25 years of his life would look like. All the twists and turns, the ups and the downs. But God knew. So God shared a plan with him so that he would have confidence that no matter what his circumstances were, he could follow God. Notice what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 25. He says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. 
God always has a plan, and God has a plan for you. God's plan for you is for you to know him and to make him known. We know God through the word of God. We experience God as we follow him. Our mission statement here at Northeast is we exist to love God, connect people, and make disciples. That is God's plan. In 2019, I went on a business trip to Italy, and I was there for a few days. And one of my colleagues there, her name is Valentina, she asked me, could she take some of us out to dinner one night? And I said, that would be fine. And there was a group of about 10 of us, and so we had to divide into three different cars. But she was the only one that knew where the restaurant was. And so I rode with her, and we went through uh, the city near Milan, and we came to an intersection, and it was a roundabout with about six roads that went off in different directions. So she goes on this roundabout, the two cars follow us, we go all the way around. Then we go all the way around again. And then we go all the way around about three quarters and then she gets on this road. And I said, do you know where you're going? And she said, well, I just had to remember what road I'm supposed to take. And I thought about that. I didn't need to know where, we go, where I was going. I just needed to be with the one that knew where I was going. We just need to follow God. We have no idea how many ups and downs, how many circles we're going to go around, but God wants us just to follow him no matter what our circumstances are. God is a faithful God who always has a plan. Will you follow him today? Jacob sent Joseph out to check on his older brothers as they were tending the flock. And as he approaches them, some of them said, there is that dreamer, this is our opportunity to kill him. And Reuben stepped in, the oldest, and said, don't kill him, but we will throw him in this pit. And they did. And then after a little while, some of the brothers noticed a caravan passing by, and Judah said, let's take Joseph and sell him to that caravan. And it says that Joseph pleaded and begged for them not to do it, but they sold him to that caravan for 20 pieces of silver. And then Joseph finds himself sold into slavery in Egypt, a servant in Potiphar's household. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 39. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all things that he did to prosper in his hand. I want you to know that God is faithful to provide. Even despite the circumstances, Joseph still followed God and he became successful. To such a point that even his master recognized that his success was connected to his God. How did he know that? Because Joseph shared his testimony with them. We have a testimony to share in our own lives that God is faithful to provide. You'll probably know the verse in Malachi chapter 3 where it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. This is a faithful promise from God. And I want you to know that God is faithful. 
When Janet and I, before we even got married in our own lives, we both made a commitment that that first 10% of our income, we would turn around and give that to the local church. And we would live on the rest, but the rest of that would still belong to God. And whatever he wanted to do with it, he could. And what I like about Northeast is we take that first 10% of giving that comes into here and we turn around and give that away to support over 20 missionaries and missionary partners, both locally and around the world. God is faithful to provide. But if you're someone like me, I have to watch the numbers around here. And our giving is down like most churches. Since January, our giving is running about 5% below our budget. And I'm not telling you that for you to panic or for you to have a guilt trip. I'm telling you that just so you're aware. But mostly I'm telling you that, that God is faithful that we have a staff and a finance team here that are good stewards with everything that God has provided here. And he has met all of our needs. I was on a conference call uh, at the last week of June with some of our staff along with our chairman of our finance team, and we were discussing about a short-term cash flow problem. And we talked about how we could solve that problem, but we also talked about God's faithfulness. And while we were on that phone, the mail arrived here at the church. And there were two checks in the mail that covered that problem. I want you to know that God is faithful, that he will provide for you. Will you trust him today? But when you start to follow God, our enemy comes and wants to attack us. And in Genesis, it tells us that Joseph was a handsome man, and Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. I want you to see what Paul writes, in, writes to the church. He says, God is faithful, the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. I want you to know the third thing is God is faithful to protect you from the evil one. For we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against rulers, against powers, but it's, or the world, it's against the worldly forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. But we also know that we have a faithful and high priest who can sympathize with our weakness because he was tempted in every way that we were, but without sin. And that high priest has a name and his name is Jesus. And Jesus will, is interceding on your behalf today, and he will protect you. I want to share with you four things you need to do to have victory over sin and temptation in your life. See how Joseph responds to Potiphar's wife. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he, Potiphar, has, not withheld, has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. And then notice this phrase. He says, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? The first thing you need to do to have victory is you have to acknowledge the sin. You have to recognize it as an evil that will separate you from the presence of God. You have to start to see your sin the way God sees it. You have to see that temptation the way that God sees it. I heard a preacher a long time ago say, God promised to give you victory over your enemies, the problem you have is you have not made your sin your enemy. You have to acknowledge the sin. And then notice the next two verses in Genesis, it says, and she, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. 
That word, it says he did not listen, could be he did not hear her. What you need to do is avoid putting yourself in places where there's temptation as much as possible, which means there may be some places you don't go, some movies you don't watch, some music you don't listen to. You avoid those circumstances that could cause temptation. But sometimes you can avoid it. And it says, now it happened one day that when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the household was there inside, she came and tried to seduce him again. And if you know the story, what did Joseph do? He ran and got out of there, which is the third thing you need to do is you need to have an action strategy. Notice what Paul writes. He said, there is no temptation that has overtaken you, but as such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So we have the confidence to know that any temptation that comes into our lives has already been filtered through the hand of God. If you're facing it, that means God has already prepared you to have victory over that battle because he is faithful and he will provide the way of escape. And Jesus is the way. The action strategy you need to develop is you, you want to substitute that temptation with a thought and action that honors God. And you want to make that strategy before you ever have that temptation. So you need to say, I know this tempts me. So this, when I'm in that temptation, this is what I'm going to do. You've already decided what you are going to do. Excuse me a second. I remember back in the uh, 1990s, I can't believe I'm this old. Back in the 1990s, I went on a business trip to San Francisco. And when I, go into the, when I went into the hotel room near the television, they had some kind of advertisement that was advertising adult entertainment. And there was probably an image there. And I remember I could see that image and then I have all of these feelings and emotions come up inside of me. And I hear a voice in my head says, you can do this, this is okay. It's no harm in this. There is nobody here. No one will know. It does not matter. And you're faced with that temptation. So you have to have a strategy that's going to take you from that temptation back to God. And me being so spiritual, I decided my strategy was when I had that temptation, I was going to run to the clock radio and set the alarm. So this was back in the days when you didn't have phones to wake you up. They had this antique device called the clock radio, right? And so I had, my strategy was I'm gonna go and set the alarm clock because I need to get up the next day. And so I was there in that hotel room in San Francisco and that temptation comes, I run to the clock radio, I hit the radio on and it is a Christian station playing praise music. And I listened to music that praised God for the next 30 minutes and all that temptation runs away because you want to replace the temptation with something that honors God, even if it's as simple as setting the radio. James chapter four, verse seven says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you go to that temptation and you say, I don't want to do this, 
Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to resist you. I don't want to do this. And if you keep your mind at that spot, you will fail. What's the next sentence after resist the devil and he'll flee from you? It says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You want to run away from something and run to something, and that's running to God. Two weeks later, I was in Dallas, Texas. I go into the hotel room. Guess what? They have some advertising there to advertise adult entertainment. So what do I do? I run to the radio. I turn on the radio, and it has a preacher preaching the Word of God. And so I listen to him for the next 45 minutes. Back then, they gave preachers more time. I'm listening for the next 45 minutes, and all of that temptation goes away. You have to have an action strategy where you can run away from the temptation and you run to God. The fourth thing you need to do is accountability. Notice what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, flee your useful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So you're fleeing from something, you're running to something, and then it puts this last sentence in there, with those with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It helps if you can have somebody take this journey with you, someone to hold you accountable. And for me, I had a friend in my life who I could call and say, hey, I'm going out of town. And so he would start to pray for me. And then when I got back in town, he would call me up and he'd say, Keith, what did you watch on television? He was there to hold me accountable. So you want to acknowledge this sin, avoid the circumstance, have an action strategy, and have someone hold you accountable. And if you do these things, you can have victory, because we know in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Dear children, you have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than the one that is in the world. And we know 1 John 5, 4. One chapter later, it says, This is our victory that overcomes the world our faith. God is faithful to protect you. Will you be faithful to run to him? Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of acting inappropriate. Potiphar is angry and he has Joseph thrown into prison. For Joseph's life, it just seemed like it went from bad to worse. And now he's in prison, but he still followed God. God still provided for him. And he was there with two people from Pharaoh's court, a baker and a cupbearer. And they both had dreams, and they shared that with Joseph. And this is their response. It says, they said to him, we have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. The only way Joseph could make this statement says, tell me your dream, and I'll talk to God, and he'll give you an answer. The only way he could say that is if he had a prayer relationship with God. I want you to know that God is faithful to hear your prayers and to answer them. Notice what David writes in Psalms 143. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. God is faithful to hear your prayers and answer them. When my oldest daughter was in the third grade, I took her and her younger sister to play miniature golf. And we went and we played the first hole, and then we're on the second hole, and I noticed on the horizon the sky got really dark, and the wind started to blow. And I told my daughters there is a storm coming, and we probably shouldn't stay out here. 
so we need to leave. And then when we left, the owner gave my daughter a little piece of paper, which was a rain check. You would have thought they gave her a block of gold. She thought that was the greatest thing she had ever had. And so I stopped at Dairy Queen to get them some ice cream on the way home to cheer them up. And then we came back to get in the car. She had left that rain check sitting on the seat. And when she opened the door, the wind pulled that piece of paper out of the car. It flew up higher than this auditorium. And I watched it drift off about four or 500 feet. It went across the road and came down somewhere behind a shopping center. And she was upset. And I said, don't worry. I said, I think it went over there behind the shopping center. We'll drive over there and we'll look very carefully to see if we can find it. And so I drive over there and we're going down this alley. The shopping center's on this side. There's a row of bushes on this side and we're going down and I said, look very carefully. And we go down there about 100 feet. We don't see it anywhere. And then she says, I have an idea. Let's pray. So I said, that's a great idea. And so we stop and we pray, and she asked God in her simple way to help her to find that rain check. And when we opened our eyes, we looked around, and that rain check was in the bush right next to my door. All I had to do was lower the window, and I could reach out and grab it and hand it to her. I don't know if it was there before we prayed, but I know it was there after we prayed. And this wasn't about God answering a prayer to give a little girl a piece of paper. This was God answering a prayer to teach a little girl that he hears her and he answers her. God is faithful to hear your prayers and to answer them. Be anxious for nothing but in everything prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known to God with thanksgiving. And God will give you peace in your heart and mind, which surpasses all comprehension. God is faithful to hear your prayers. Will you be faithful to call on him? Joseph stays in prison another two years. Pharaoh has a dream. You may remember the seven fat cows, the seven skinny cows. No one can interpret his dream, but the cupbearer says, hey, I know someone who was in prison, and he can interpret that. So they bring Joseph before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asks him, can you interpret this dream? And he says, I can't, but God can. And he tells Pharaoh that there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, and that you need to take these first seven years so you can prepare for the next. And Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of this task, and he is second in command only to Pharaoh. And he is delegating all of that savings of food. Seven years go by, two years into the famine, Jacob sends his ten sons to Egypt to buy food. Joseph provides that to his brothers. He does not reveal who he is, but he tells them, next time you come back, bring all your brothers And so when they needed food again, they came back, this time with Benjamin, and they appear before Joseph, and I want you to see how Joseph responds. He does this. He says, then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. He hadn't seen Benjamin in 22 years. But then it says, he kissed all of his brothers and wept on them, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. 20 years ago, they couldn't even talk and have a conversation. But now, he says, he wept on them, he talked with them, he loved them. The only way they could be restored back into each other's presence is if Joseph had a heart to forgive. 
So is there someone you need to forgive today? But even more than that, we know what 1 John 1.9 says, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to hear our, our plea to him and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us back into his presence. Janet and I were married one year, and I had a friend of mine call me up. His name was Ken, and he said, Keith, I would like you to go visit my sister because she's having some difficulties in her life. She has wandered away from her faith, and I think you could help her. And I agreed to do that, and the only other thing he told me about her that she was in her early 30s, and she was not married. And so I remember I went to her house, and I walked up toward the walk toward her front door, and I was thinking, oh, God, what am I doing here? I do not know her. I don't know anything about her. I don't know what to say to her. But God, I know you do. And I'm expecting I'll come to the door. She'll be there. We'll have a short conversation. I'll say a quick prayer, and I would be out of there in five minutes. So I go, and I knock on the door, and this guy answers the door. And I told him who, he, who I was, and he said, come on inside. So I go inside, and I meet Ken's sister. I learn that he is the live-in boyfriend, and that he works in construction, but he had been unemployed for over a month, and all of their struggles that they wanted to talk about were financial. And I don't remember everything I said to them, but I told them, God is able to provide for you all of your needs but you have a greater need than cable television. That you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That he came and he died for you and he loves you. And that he wants to have a relationship with you. And then she started crying. And she said, I will you pray with me? And I knelt down in her living room floor and we prayed together and she asked Jesus Christ to forgive her of all her sins and restore her back into the presence of God. And that there was joy and hope in her life. And after we did that, he said... What do I need to do to be saved? And so I started telling them what God's word said. And, and then we started praying together. And while we started praying, the phone rang. And I said, oh, God, what now? I said that in my mind, not out loud. Right? <clears throat> and then, but she went and answered the phone. But then we prayed, and he invited Jesus Christ into his heart. And God saved him. And then she comes back into the room, and she said, that was somebody who wants to offer you a job and wants to know if you can start this week. And then he says to me, he says, I can't stay here because I'm not married. Don't you know, Janet was surprised when I brought home a new roommate. <laughs> I'm not advocating bring total strangers into your house to live with you unless, unless you know it is God. And he stayed with us for several weeks until he found a place to stay on his own. But I want you to know that God is faithful to hear your plea and he will restore you back into the presence of God. For we know that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. It doesn't say you might be, you could be, or you may be. It says you will be saved because with belief in the heart resulting in righteousness, with confession of the mouth resulting in salvation. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him believe that he is 
and he rewards those that seek him. God is faithful to restore you into his presence. Will you be faithful to seek him? Joseph sends his brothers back to get Jacob and bring that whole household to Egypt. And you get to Genesis chapter 50, and he meets his brothers again, his entire family, and he says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. I want you to know that God is faithful to have a purpose. And so in Joseph's life, he could stand in his present circumstances and he can look back at the last 20 years and he could say, I can see how God worked in my life all the way up until now. And for us, it's the same way. Lots of times we can't understand the purpose until we look backwards and see what God has done. And Joseph is probably talking about that God sent him there to be in charge, to provide food for his family so that they could survive the famine and they could preserve many people alive. But I want you to understand God's greater purpose is 20 years earlier, that was a generation of brothers that were dysfunctional. They couldn't get along. They hated each other. And God took them through this journey over 22 years. So they got to the present state and they were a group of brothers that could have one mind and one heart. That is a generation that God can build a great nation to bring a Messiah, Jesus Christ, who can preserve many people alive. God always has a greater purpose in our life and we may not always understand it. I want you to see what Paul writes. He says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. God will accomplish the purpose that he has planned in your life. I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Thomas Chisholm was born in 1866 in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky. He never finished high school education, yet he would go on to write over 1,200 spirit-filled poems. Over 800 of his poems were published, and several of those were set to music. And the one you probably know that he wrote, it says, Great is his faithfulness, great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All that I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Even without a high school education, God still used Thomas Chisholm for his purpose and God will use you. He probably based that poem on what Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations, which says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For Jeremiah, all of Jerusalem was crashing down around him, yet he could still praise God. So the last thing is God is faithful to have a purpose. Will you be faithful to praise him? Let me pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are faithful, that you have a plan and a purpose in our lives. Father, and I thank you that you will provide and protect us. Father, I also ask you to search our hearts, to move us closer to you than we've ever been before. Father, give us the courage to take a step in faith, to ask to come into your presence today. Father, because you are a faithful God, and we praise you in Jesus' name forever and ever. Amen.